Presents Football Time. Hey, and welcome to the Football Time Podcast. It's the Week 9 college football. It's not college football. It's the pro football <laughs> review. We're juggling a few too many shows here. All right, so it's the Week 9 NFL recap and review show with Achilles Rain, not Dynamite David. Achilles NFL show. Are you ready? Boom. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> All right. So we're off to a flying start here and we'll move into our headlines. Now this made headlines. Okay. So I thought we'd talk about the uh, Colts Ravens game a little bit here in our headlines matchup of probably two of the top, I'd say six AFC teams. Once again, both defenses looked really good. Both offenses, I say, would look adequate to poor. What did you make of the defense? What did you make of the offense of this game? Uh, The final score is a little surprising to me. I thought the game would be a little bit closer. Uh, But overall, I think both teams played pretty well. Uh, Baltimore just took a little bit of a leap over Indianapolis as far as where I think they stand going forward. But overall, it was a pretty good game. Yeah, I thought it was a good game. Um, I don't know what to make of really either offense, however. The Colts offense, once again, could not run the ball. Um, I didn't think Rivers was too bad in this game, but uh, he couldn't play make the plays needed in uh, – he did have an interception, but I, I don't blame him on that interception. That was just a terrible recall, a terrible call, and I don't know what they saw in the review that made that look like an interception. But um, Colts offense, um, is this a good enough offense to win games in the playoffs? I think that they can pull off some wins. It depends on the opponent. Uh, offensively, they can be hit or miss. Running the game – their running game is probably the worst part about that offense. Uh, we've seen them have a little bit of success against some bad teams, and they have a little bit of success when they spread the ball around, and it kind of opens up the uh, the running lanes a little bit. Uh, but they haven't been an overly powerful uh, offensive team. We have them where we have them because of their defense, and that's kind of what they are. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of the Jonathan Taylor? Uh, he First-round pick, uh, came in with a lot of hype, and uh, he's really just not cutting. He's starting to lose carries to Jordan Watkins, of all people, and uh, his fumbling issues from college really cost the Colts that game. They were going in to go up 14 nothing. The Ravens hadn't done anything at that point. He fumbles. Uh, they get the scoop and score, and it's a whole new ball game. Uh, what do you make of Taylor's struggles? Is it just a rookie thing, or is it you think maybe uh, – Bad pick. You know, with uh, with running backs, it's kind of tough. Uh, a lot of it depends on the offensive line. Um, we've seen players that look like they're going to be the next big thing, and they because of you know they have a really good offensive line. We saw with uh, the Cowboys a couple years back. It's it's hard to put you know the blame on him completely, but 
he does have to do a better job at protecting the ball because, like you said, that game could have gone differently had they gone up uh, another score, uh, especially early on. But I don't know. I think you got to give him a little bit more time, kind of see where you know where everything ends up at the end of the year. Yeah, I think the loss of Marlon Mack really sort of hurts them because I think they could have eased Taylor in a little bit more than they uh, are trying to do now. Um, Ravens, once again, I thought that offense looked poor. Um, Jackson didn't have the turnovers he had last week, but uh, there was really nothing deep in the passing game. It was all dink and dunk and... I, I mean, I know the Colts have a really good defense, but they couldn't even really get that option attack uh, going very much. Um, it's been a probably reoccurring thing all season long. This Ravens offense, is it going to be the death of them in the playoffs? I think that that's definitely their Achilles heel right now. It, it, they have a really good defense, but throughout the year we've seen a lack of uh, weapons on the outside they have a game here and there where they'll have a receiver that kind of stands out, but you know, there's no one really on the outside that I can trust that I, uh, that I could say that's the go-to guy. That's the guy you go to on a third and long or anything like that. So this could definitely be the type of situation where unless they fix their offensive struggles, uh, they could probably be, you know, one and done. Yeah. Um, Okay, we'll move to the other end of the uh, spectrum here in the Arizona-Miami game. Um, probably our future of quarterbacking was on display. Uh, take out Patrick Mahomes, as in he is the quarterback. But um, Tua and Kyler Murray both sort of did their thing. Um, defenses didn't really show up in this one, but uh, it was a fun, exciting game. Uh, and uh, Miami gets the win. What would you make of this game? Uh, I think this says more about Miami than it does about Arizona. Arizona, to me, they're, like I've said before, they're an okay middle-of-the-pack type team. Uh, They're going to beat on the bad teams, and they're going to, you know, have a decent matchup against the good teams. Maybe not the elite ones, but I I think this says a lot about Miami. Uh, They've shown some improvement. Um, This is the first game where we got to see Tua play a little bit more extensively. That Ram game, you know, there really wasn't much for him to do. Uh, that was a defensive game, basically, for uh, Miami. But I, I like what I saw from Tua, uh, except a few throws here and there where he, you could tell that he's, you know, still kind of getting in the flow of things, getting uh, adjusted to the speed of the game. But overall, I, I thought it was a fun game to watch. Yeah, it, I thought it was really exciting. Uh Kyler definitely had his legs moving. He kept getting outside of that pocket and uh, watching Tua and that he's just so accurate with that ball, especially on those uh, inside slants and comebackers. Uh, it's it's a little breeze-like with a, a sort of a younger breeze than the old one that's a little bit of a statue and a noodle arm right now. But uh, that accuracy is just, I think, going to carry him pretty far. And uh, Murray's just really explosive. I Just uh, exciting game to watch and... We'll see where these teams go from uh, future. Uh, I'm still a little nervous about Cliff Kingsbury. Some uh, interesting decision-making in that game, needless to say. Yeah, uh, the only thing I'll add to that is uh, watching the game. It's it's kind of interesting and fun to watch the left-handed quarterback. It's been a while since I've seen it, and kind of as I'm watching the game, it throws me for a loop a little bit. 
Uh, and I'm sure it kind of does it for some defenses also. It's been a little while since we've seen, uh, you know, a coming up guy, top draft guy that threw left-handed. Yeah, I agree. All right, so sticking with Arizona and the NFC, um, it got weirder this week. Um, is there a favorite in the NFC? Can you give me someone who you can definitively say, I think this team is a Super Bowl favorite to go out of the NFC? Because right now, I honestly, you could tell me any of probably about six teams could make the Super Bowl, or I wouldn't be totally stunned if they lose in the first round of the playoffs by 20. So what do you make of this NFC right now? I'll tell you, the NFC has been a little bit of a head scratcher. There's obviously the elite teams that are good enough to make it to the Super Bowl. Now, if you were to ask me, do I have a lock for the Super Bowl? That's a whole different story. I don't feel like I do. Uh, there, You have the Green Bay Packers, which to me, they're the top team. But they've shown some uh, some glaring weaknesses in their defense. And If they play you know, Minnesota in the playoffs, I don't think they're moving. Yeah, exactly. They, they've, they've shown kinks in their armor. Uh, but I still have them as like their top contender. But I can't give you a lock as far as who I think would, you know, be a lock for the Super Bowl. I had the Seahawks at one before. They've dropped down to number three. Um, the Saints, you know, with the history of injuries that they've had this season, you still don't know. There's some question marks there. And their defense at times doesn't show up. So I, I can't give you a definitive answer as who the favorite would be to win that uh, that conference. Yeah, I it's it's really amazing. I was just thinking about it that I'm like, who would I bet on to win three games in the NFC playoffs? And it's sort of like a March Madness thing where I think it's all just going to be dependent on the matchups. Like, I think if the Saints end up playing Tampa Bay, the Saints are good as gold. If, you know, Seattle ends up playing, you know, any team that has any sort of explosive offensive weapons like a Green Bay, I think they're in trouble. And uh, if Green Bay plays a team with a running back, um, that's going to get ugly quick. I just, there's so many flaws, but there are also so many like good parts to each one of these teams. And that's not even getting into somebody like the Rams or even the Cardinals for that matter, who, you know, is just a complete wild card in this. Yeah. There's, there's uh, plenty of teams in the NFC that could give, you know, one of the top teams a run for their money. And it, it's really you know, you could you could sway me either way right now. At this point, I don't feel confident about, you know, giving you a lock for a Super Bowl in the NFC. Um, there's a lot of good things. Like you said, I see a lot of good things from a lot of these top teams, but I also see kinks in their armor and flaws here and there that uh, give me pause and make me think that there's a chance they could possibly lose the game depending on the matchup. So uh, we know you said uh, Green Bay was your number one team right now. What do you have, like, two, three, and four? What uh, sort of mix, match, grab bag sort of rankings do you have there for? Well, I kind of went with my top three uh, as I was putting that little list together. Um, And basically the way I had it was Green Bay. Then I had the Saints at number two, and I had Seattle at number three. Now number four is such a toss-up for me. Um, when I look at some of these teams, like I really 
felt like a lot of people that the Bucks were kind of turning it around and they were getting ready to, you know, put together some really good offensive shows and, and that defense looks like it's got some big, you know, marquee names uh, that lead you to believe they got they have a chance to shut people down. But then you see them like they did this last week. And I don't know who to put at four right now. To me, fourth is kind of an open slot. Um, I could see plenty of teams at the NFC taking that fourth spot right now. Yeah. Uh, I think I probably moved the Saints in at number one right now. But uh, I just uh, – I think they're probably the best – sort of overall team. They do give up some explosive deep plays, but um, as you saw, they got that pass rush going on Brady and and it that defense just ate them alive. And uh, the offense isn't explosive, but it it it's sort of uh, death by a thousand cuts. And uh, I think I have probably the Packers at number two, but I mean, the second I see them face a running back who can do anything, I would be very scared. And um, I just... It's hard for me to put Seattle in there. I think easily they're the most explosive team, but um, that defense just got lit up, and it, it's it been reoccurring all year long other than slowing down a San Francisco team that basically was playing uh, their second unit, third unit guys. I, You know, I heard the other day $80 million of salary cap is on the IR for the 49ers, so... You know, I don't know if you can judge anything from that. And maybe that was just a bad cross-country game for Seattle. But uh, I definitely had to drop them down a little bit there. Yeah, I can see why you'd have uh, your list in that. The, the only reason that I have the Packers above the Saints right now is just because the Saints have been getting banged up all season long. And, yeah, they do have more weapons, you know, in Cook, Camara, and uh, – Michael Thomas, they, they've got more weapons, even with their backup quarterback who seems to come in and some gimmick plays and he, he can still make plays, you know, he's, he's got, he's got some skills. So they have more weapons than the Packers do to me, but I just feel like the Packers have been a little more consistent. Yeah. All right. So it'll be a fun sort of into the stretch to see how these uh, NFC teams uh, sort of filter out and uh, go through the rest of the year. If, if there's a rest of the year, everybody seems to be popping up on COVID lists. So um, I don't think it's uh, weird that the NFL is sort of sliding in now a 16 game playoff. I think they're starting to get a little nervous that some of these games might have to get postponed or rearranged. And uh, they're just going to try to get to the playoffs as quick as they can. And I wouldn't be also stunned if they tried to move this thing into a bubble too, by playoff time. Yeah, they actually, uh, I was listening to some of the stories today and they were having a, a vote. Uh, one of the votes that they were uh, all voting on was whether to expand the playoff seating. So basically they would add another playoff spot. Uh, and this would be due to the fact that some teams probably wouldn't have the same records. Um, I don't know what the outcome of that vote's going to be, but, you know, as of this morning, uh, I heard that, Ben Roethlisberger was on the uh, COVID list, um, you know, and a couple other players on the, on the Steelers. So yeah, we don't know what's going to happen as far as how many games are going to be played, but it's, it's going to be, it's going to make it for an interesting season with all these different question marks as far as who top dog is and whatnot. Yeah. All right. So 
Let's get into the recap of the rest of the games. And speaking of your Green Bay Packers, they played the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday night. They were six and a half point favorites. Aaron Rodgers had a pretty nice game of 25 for 31 for 305 yards, four touchdowns. Aaron Jones made his return to save the running back crew because they were about to use a wide receiver there with 15 (laughs) carries for 58 yards. Devontae Adams had 10 catches, 173 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Not much on the San Francisco side. Nick Mullins came in, had 22 with 35 for 291, one touchdown, one interception. Jarek McKinnon had 12 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown. And Richie James, Middle Tennessee's own, had nine catches for 184 yards and a touchdown. So um, I don't know really how hard it is to handicap this game. San Francisco is just sort of putting together, patching their way through a season now and um, Green Bay put it on them pretty good. Yeah, San Francisco's hurting right now. They're, you, like you stated earlier, they have a lot of money uh, on injured reserve right now. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better uh, going forward, at least for the time being. For Green Bay, it was nice to see them kind of get back on track after that uh, pretty bad performance the previous week. So, but, I mean, nothing much really to take from this. Green Bay's a good team, and San Francisco's pretty banged up, so. Yeah, let's move on to our next game. What do you got? Uh, we have the Denver Broncos going into Atlanta. Atlanta's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Drew Locke went 25 for 48 for 313 yards and three touchdowns. He also had one interception. Uh, Jerry Judy had seven for 125 and one touchdown. Matt Ryan for the Falcons went 25 of 35 for 284 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception, while Todd Gurley ran the ball 19 times for 53 yards and one touchdown. And Olimadi Zakius, <laughs> I hope I'm not butchering that name, uh, he had four for 103 and a touchdown. You did pretty good. All right, so um, I wanted to text you when this game was like 27 to 10 going into the fourth quarter and be like, I bet you the Falcons blow this. Now, they tried pretty hard, and Denver did their weird little thing where they – play like crap for three quarters. Then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, they start launching uh, bombs down the field. But uh, Atlanta was able to hold on, and Atlanta's a tricky team, I think, for some of these teams to play, you know, down the stretch where I don't think they're really tanking for draft picks, and uh, their team is really probably better than a lot of teams they're going to play. So uh, if they hadn't blown a handful of games early in the year, they (laughs) – really would probably, I think, be one of those top teams in the NFC we were talking about. But uh, what did you make of this game? Yeah, um, this was this was definitely a, an interesting game. I just think that Atlanta, like you said, they've had uh, pretty bad luck as far as their coaching decisions early on in the season and some of the games that they blew. They could be in a different spot right now if they had won some of those games. Offensively, they have weapons. They have enough weapons to give anybody trouble. Uh, especially with a big guy like Julio Jones. And even though Todd Gurley hasn't really been explosive, you know, he's doing enough to help out that backfield. Uh, he's got a lot of touchdowns, so he's getting in the end zone. Uh, but Denver, you know, I, I don't – I've said it I've said it numerous times throughout the season. I really don't think they're that good. They seem to come out pretty flat early on in the game. They give up a lot of points, and when it's getting close to crunch time – they turn it on and a lot of, I feel like a lot of it has to do with the fact that they know they're not going to win the game. So, you know, they've got nothing to lose. Just 
kind of go out there and fling it. And I wonder how, what the record would look like if they came out in the beginning of the game with that type of attitude. Yeah, they're essentially like the AFC version of the Lions. So it seems like they gather a lot of numbers, especially when they're down huge in the fourth quarter, but uh, not a whole lot of results coming out of Denver. And uh, they didn't run the ball really at all. Now, part of that was because they were down so big, but uh, sort of a disappointing game for Denver. Uh, We'll move on to the probably the biggest game of the week. Seattle went to Buffalo. Buffalo went 44 to 34. They were three point underdogs. Russell Wilson, 28 of 41, 390 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and also had a fumble. DJ Dallas had seven carries for 31 yards and a touchdown. DK Metcalf had seven catches for 108 yards and one touchdown. Josh Allen was flinging a blowtorch the whole game, 31 to 38, (laughs) 415 yards, four total touchdowns. Stephon Diggs had nine catches for 118 yards. And John Brown, eight catches for 99 yards. So I, I said this probably uh, maybe a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. I thought this Buffalo team was a, a dome team. And uh, it was about 60 degrees in Buffalo with no wind. Weather was perfect. And they came out and just lit it up. And uh, this sort of is reinforcing my theory that this Buffalo team is just built to launch the ball and play wide open spread football. But... Um, the problem is they play in Buffalo. And the previous three weeks when the offense was poor, uh, they weren't capable of doing such things. So I I really don't know where to stand with this Buffalo team because if the weather is good, I think they rack up points. Yeah, I mean, their success comes when their quarterback is their leading rusher. And quarterbacks tend to have a hard time running when you have bad weather, you know, they, they look good when they're playing under the right conditions. Like you said, Buffalo, I was really excited about them early on in the season. I feel like they've taken a step back. I mean, they're still winning games. They're still good enough to win games, but I I see some weaknesses there that scare me, especially once we get into that playoff type weather, uh, especially in the AFC where, you know, some of the uh, colder teams tend to play. Well, that's what I was, uh, a little bit of me was like, maybe they should move over to the NFC where they can play some of those warm weather teams because in the AFC, either they're playing at home in Buffalo, essentially they're going to have to go to Baltimore or Kansas City or Nashville. And um, none of those are really warm weather cities. Now they might get the Colts in the Dome and possibly Miami, but um, it'll just be interesting to see how they play at home going forward when the weather presumably isn't 60 degrees with no wind in Buffalo. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this theory plays out. They're playing Arizona this week in Phoenix. So um, dome team, warm weather. We'll see if they can light it up again offensively. Yeah, I think this week's going to be really telling simply because the last game, it's a little, the stats are a little uh, mixed around because they played Seattle. They didn't really need to run the ball because uh, all they had to do was pass the ball and they were being successful at it. So there was really no need to run the ball. So I think this week against uh, Arizona will be really telling as far as whether they're a fair weather team or uh, they can play against anybody. Yeah. Um, Seattle uh, defense really bad. And um, Russell Wilson had numbers, but uh, this is, 
second game in three that he's had a lot of turnovers. And I'm wondering if maybe he's starting to force it a little bit, thinking the defense isn't going to get stops and they got to score, score, score. So um, it's a little disconcerting, these turnovers, that I think it's six in the last three games. And so um, they're really going to have a hard time winning if he's turning the ball over with that poor defense. Yeah, uh, Seattle, I mentioned it a few weeks back that their defense was suspect. Now, their defense has been pretty bad all year long, but we didn't really notice it because we had teams like the Jets and uh, teams like the Falcons and the Cowboys that were doing so horribly uh, on the national stage that we didn't really notice Seattle's defense being as poor as it is. They have a lot of holes in that secondary, and Russell Wilson was playing amazing to start off the season which is another reason why we didn't really pay attention to the defensive stats. But now that Russell Wilson is turning the ball over a little bit more and forcing throws and, you know, not playing as crisp as he was early on, those holes in that defense are really glaring. And it brings a little bit of worry again, which is why I have him in third uh, in that ranking we did earlier because they do have a lot of question marks on defense. Yeah, it'll be interesting as uh, Adams came back this week, Dunlop, as they get a little more healthy and situated, if that defense uh, picks up a little bit better as uh, a couple high-end players start to integrate themselves a little more into the team. All right, what's next for us? Uh, We're going to Tennessee. Chicago went into Nashville uh, to face off against the Titans. The Titans were six-point favorites. Uh, Chicago lost that game 17 to 24. Nick Foles went 35 of 52 for 335 yards and two touchdowns. Allen Robinson had seven for 81. Uh, while for Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill went 10 of 21 for 158 yards and two touchdowns. Derrick Henry had 21 carries for 68 yards. And A.J. Brown had four catches for 101 yards and one touchdown. All right. Um, the less I watch the Bears is probably – the better because um, their offense is beyond putrid to watch, um, even with their little fake charge at the end of the fourth quarter as they gathered up a bunch of fake numbers. Um, Tennessee did its job, went in there, scored enough points, and, uh, you know, I don't know what to say of the Bears other than um, it's probably time for Matt Nagy to leave. <laughs> yeah, um, this was this was one of those – strange situations where we knew that Tennessee's defense wasn't that good. So this was the perfect opportunity for Chicago to get something going offensively. And although when you look at the stat lines at the end of the game, they look decent, that game really wasn't going that well. They weren't doing much offensively and you expected them to be able to do something against Tennessee. Now on the other side of the ball, Tennessee's defense looked a lot better, but this was against Chicago offense. Uh, I still think Tennessee is a top contender. Uh, I don't want Dynamite David to come after me. But, you know, it just, this game, like you said, the less I have to watch the Bears, the better. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll move on past the Bears and into Baltimore and Indianapolis. Baltimore won 24-10. The line was even. Lamar Jackson went 19 for 23, 170 yards, 13 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. Dobbins and Edwards had uh, 23 carries for 53 yards and a touchdown. Phillip Rivers was 25 of 53 for 227 and an interception. And Michael Pittman Jr., four catches for 56 yards. We already went over this game a little bit, so uh, let's move on to our next game. For our next game, Kansas City hosted the Carolina Panthers. Carolina was a 10-point favorite. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater went 36 of 49 for 310 yards and two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey had 151 total yards with two touchdowns. Curtis Samuel had nine for 105 and a touchdown. On the other side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes went 30 for 45 for 372 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Kelsey had 10 catches for 159 yards, and Tyreek Hill had nine catches for 113 yards and two touchdowns. And just in case I didn't say it, Carolina lost that game 31 to 33. Yeah, um... Carolina looked good. It was good to have Christian McCaffrey back. I think you saw this uh, Carolina offense really get revved up with uh, McCaffrey back. Now, uh, granted, he hurt his shoulder on the last play of the game, so I don't know if he's going to be back for long, and uh, that might hurt Carolina in the coming weeks. Um, Kansas City, I think we discussed it in our Thursday pick show. They sort of half played this game. They sort of knew when they could score, and they scored, won the game. Uh, it wasn't pretty, but uh, they're just better than Carolina. So when they wanted to flick a switch, they flicked a switch. Yeah, I mean, Kansas City's a better team. I don't think it comes as a shock to anybody. And uh, kudos to, to Carolina. You know, they they play tough and they hung in there. Um, their defense tried to do their best against uh, Patrick Mahomes, but, you know, he still put up big numbers when he needed to. They're just a better team. Uh, there's nothing much really to say, you know, other than Carolina played played them tough and uh, good for them. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the Detroit Lions-Minnesota uh, game. Minnesota won 34-20. Minnesota was three-point favorites. Matthew Stafford had 211 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and left with a concussion. DeAndre Swift had 13 carries, 64 yards. Danny Amendola had seven catches for 77 yards. Kirk Cousins still gets to benefit from Dalvin Cook, 13 of 20, 220 yards, three touchdowns. And Dalvin Cook had 252 total yards and two touchdowns. Um, I guess one team has Dalvin Cook, the other team does not. That pretty much summarizes the game, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I wish you had that, uh, that Cousins drop. You like that? You like that? Because that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, Minnesota, uh, can they make a run to the playoffs here, or is it too late? Um, you now, know, when, granted, they might be adding an extra playoff team. So if they expand it, I'm a little more bully that they might be able to make a run. I'll tell you this much, okay? I don't think they can make it, even if they added that extra playoff spot. But if somehow they were able to sneak in, I would hate to be the team that has to play against Don Cook. Yeah, uh, he's just on fire right now. And um, one thing, if they make the playoffs, Dalvin Cook should be the MVP. I don't want to hear about any of the ridiculous quarterbacks and their random numbers. If the Minnesota Vikings make the playoffs, Dalvin Cook should be the MVP of the league because uh, 
He is literally strapping that Vikings terrible offense onto his back and carrying them to wins that really they shouldn't have because Kirk Cousins, once again, did not basically have to do anything but uh, throw three play-action passes to a nice set of receivers. Yeah, I mean, you said it all. Uh, That entire team, you know, revolves around Cook. The guy's been insane for the last couple of weeks and pretty much all season long, which is no surprise. He's a a rare talent. But like I said, if they somehow sneak into the playoffs, I wouldn't want to be the team that has to game plan to stop Cook. Yeah, definitely. All right, what's next for us? Next, we have the New York Giants going into Washington. Washington was three-point favorites in that game, uh, but somehow New York ended up winning that game 23-20. to Daniel Jones went 23 of 34 for 212 yards on the touchdown. Wayne Gellman went 14 for 68 in a touchdown. Austin Mack had four for 72, while for Washington, Alex Smith went 24 of 32 for 325 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Gibson had 55 total yards and a touchdown, and McLaurin had seven catches for 115 yards and a touchdown. We also had a pretty nasty injury in that game. Yeah, uh, Kyle Allen, uh, probably done for the year. Um, I don't know if that means Alex Smith is now permanently the quarterback or they go back to Dwayne Haskins. Um, Smith probably moved the ball better than anyone for Washington since Smith got hurt, you know, two years ago. The problem is uh, I watched a little bit of it, and he's just – He's not completely right, and I mean, that's not all that stunning if you saw his leg turned out, um, but his brain's still there, so I think he knows how to move the ball, but uh, I don't think that arm strength is where it was because he probably can't plant on that leg like he's used to, and uh, that's where the picks came, and, you know, coming from Alex Smith, who, I mean, went seasons where he probably didn't throw three picks in a year, threw three in this game, and if he hadn't thrown those two picks in the second half, I think Washington would have bounced back and uh, won this game. Yeah, I've said it before. I I, I like Alex Smith, and uh, even prior to uh, Haskins being benched, I thought that he was probably the best quarterback they had on their roster. Now, he, like you said, he doesn't look right. I don't know if – you know, the injury still in his head uh, physically, there's got to be some things that are still uh, bugging him because you can tell he's, he's just not Alex Smith. Now, yes, he is older. He's not the Alex Smith that, you know, he once was, but he still has the mind for the game. Uh, he's a really smart football player. And I don't know, maybe they can get a little momentum going with him under center, but they have to be able to protect him because like you said, he's not quite right. Yeah, uh, Giants side of things, um, this sort of puts them into the NFC East title picture. They have a big game once again versus Philly, and uh, probably if Daniel Jones doesn't trip going to the end zone, they might win that game. Uh, Giants, NFC East champs, uh, or you think Philly's terrible team is going to bounce back? You know, that division is so confusing because if you would have asked me last week, I would have said, I think there's a chance that Washington can sneak up on Philadelphia. I still think Philadelphia is better. Now you're asking me this week. I I think there's a chance New York can sneak in there. Uh, That division is pretty bad. It would have helped if Daniel Jones made a couple throws versus Tampa and won that game that they pretty much had. 
Yeah. Now imagine if he had uh, his, uh, his running back healthy, they could probably be leading this division by a lot. Yes, I know. Uh, Ponder that for a little bit. All right, we'll sort of move on to the next game. I don't know how long we will touch on this one, but we'll touch on it anyway. Houston Texans played the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they won 27-25. They were seven-point favorites. Uh, Deshaun Watson went 19 for 32, two touchdowns. Will Fuller had five catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks had three catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. Oregon State pride right out of Corvallis. Jake Lutton, 26 for 38, two total touchdowns and an interception. James Robinson continued to be a nice little running back surprise, 25 carries, 99 yards and a touchdown. DJ Chalk, seven catches, 146 yards, one touchdown. Um, Houston got a win. Um, Good for them. They really have nothing to play for since they have no draft picks, so they might as well try to win games. Um, Jacksonville did what they've sort of been doing all year long. Fought hard and lost. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, the only takeaway from this game was uh, Jake Lutton, the quarterback, uh, stepping in for uh, Minshew. Uh, I feel like he he made some good throws. Uh, I hadn't really seen a lot of tape on him. hadn't seen a lot of film. But, you know, I like some of the throws he made. I know that he's not, you know, uh, the next big thing. But I feel like he was respectable for his first time. And he played a good game. Uh, he kind of kept them in there. He almost uh, brought them back, but, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. I'll send you some clips of some Jake Lutton Oregon State highlights if you'd like. Oh, I'm sure you have plenty <laughs> sitting in your back pocket. They could have used him this weekend as I got burned on my Oregon State Beavers pick. All right, <laughs> we'll move in off this game. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders played the Los Angeles Chargers. Notice I got both those right. 31-26, uh, the Chargers had a touchdown to win the game, and then they did not per Chargers every game this season. The Raiders were one-point favorites. David Carr went 13-23, 165 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Booker had eight carries for 68 yards and a touchdown. Josh Jacobs had 65 yards and a touchdown. Nelson Algalore had two catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. Justin Herbert, 28 for 42, 326, two touchdowns. Kellen Bailage, 15 carries, 69 yards and a touchdown. Keenan Allen, nine catches, 103 yards and a touchdown. And a fun game, as all Chargers games are fun games. And uh, Las Vegas making a bit of run here. Uh, AFC contender or just a fun team to watch? I think they're a quiet contender, probably on the outside looking in. Uh, They're just outside of the cusp of uh, maybe making the playoffs just because the AFC tends to be a little little stacked this season. But, you know, overall, good game for them. Uh, A little heartbreaking for me. Uh, I was – I had some high hopes for for Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I make sure I got that right this time. Um, but you know, Herbert just keeps impressing me. And I think that I'm I'm so impressed by him that I somehow think that this team is good and ends up coming back and bites me in the butt. Uh, but overall, you know, I think they played a solid game. They almost had the comeback. Um, just a quick story here. I had taken the chargers at minus one and, um, in in a bet I made and I was taking a nap before work halfway through the game and the next thing I know my wife wakes me up she's like baby 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 they they did they did it they won they won 
and I kind of, uh, you know, squinted and I looked at the TV and I saw them celebrating and I'm like, oh yes, I pulled it off only for it to be turned over because you couldn't you hold go on back to, the to ball. sleep before the review occurred and were disappointed oh, no. later in life or did no, you? <laughs> I, I watched the whole review and let me just tell you that after watching that review, it took me about another 15 minutes to go back to sleep. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much the Chargers story. I don't know, since I don't, 2000, I think. A lot of fun games and a lot of heartbreaking losses, but uh, Justin Herbert, once again, I think, uh, continues to just look amazing. Uh, really, uh if I was a Chargers fan, I'd be pretty excited about that uh, future there. Yeah, I agree. I, I've been really impressed with him. He wasn't expected to be a day one starter. Uh, he's got a doctor, Dr. Needle to thank for that. And, you know, the rest is pretty much history. I think that this job is now his, uh, especially going forward into next season. Well, they, the they few- put Tyrod in to run the ball once in this game. So that was exciting. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I really like Tyrod Taylor. I think he's a decent quarterback. Uh, You know, it's very unfortunate for him the way it turned out here, but I think that this is Herbert's team now, and the future's bright for for him and for the Chargers. All right, we'll move on to a semi-exciting game, depending on how much you really cared and pretty much figured out that Pittsburgh was going to win this game the second they started trying. But nonetheless, the score was close, and it came down to a last couple plays. Pittsburgh played Dallas. Pittsburgh won 24-19. It was a 14-point spread. Ben Warthelsberger was 29 of 42, 306 yards, three touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster, six catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson, six carries, 77 yards. Garrett Kibble, the Garrett... Gilbert, nice name there, <laughs> double G's. The pride of Texas, 21 of 38, 243, one touchdown, one interception. Tony Pollard continued to be the best running back on the Dallas Cowboys roster. Nine carries, 57 yards. CeeDee Lamb, four catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I think we also touched on this on Thursday that uh, Pittsburgh probably was going to come in here and pretty much play lazy, lay an egg. And uh, when they needed to turn it on, they turn it on and win the game. Dallas uh, had some fight. Uh, the only thing I, Mike McCarthy, um, why are you kicking a field goal on fourth and a half inch when you're two and six, I believe? Uh, how about you just go for that, buddy? The season's sort of over as it is. Yeah, I, I don't think they have much to play for with all the injuries uh, that they've had happen to them this season. I think you pretty much wash your hands, you know, play, try to make some plays with, see what you have on that roster uh, because they might be cleaning house for next season. I think that the biggest takeaway from this game was the, uh, the injury uh, to Ben Roethlisberger. It looked like he was a little hobbled. It looked like he wasn't quite himself, but. Well, he, he probably was, had COVID, so. Yeah, I mean, he might've had it then. <laughs> we don't know, but I mean. They managed to win the game. They didn't dominate like they should have dominated, but I'm sure they'll take the win either way. Yeah. All right. Moving on to our next game. Let's see. You doing this one or you want me to do this one? I think this one's yours. Okay. Well, then I get to do the uh, New Orleans Saints 
uh, at against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, New Orleans won 38-3. to three. Somehow, someway, Tampa Bay was a three-point favorite. I don't know how that happened. I benefited uh, from that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't. Uh, I won't get into it now. But uh, Drew Brees went 26 of 32, uh, 220 yards, I think it was, and four touchdowns. Uh, Hill had also had uh, two attempts for 48 yards. He ran the ball seven times for 54 yards also. Uh, Tom Brady, 22 of 38 for 209 yards and three interceptions. And Mike Evans, poor Mike Evans, four catches for 64 yards. Nothing much more to add stats-wise. No, uh, Saints dominated this game. I I think you saw what uh, I've sort of been saying all year long. If teams get pressure on Brady, the Buccaneers are not a very good team. You saw it a couple weeks ago versus the Bears. You saw it again this week versus the Saints. Um, I think they're a good team if they can protect him, but uh, if they can't protect him, this team is just a poor team, and uh, once again, their poor decision-making penalty-wise seemed to come out, which has been a reoccurring problem under pretty much all Bruce Arians teams going back to the Cardinals days. Yeah, I mean, a really strong performance for uh, New Orleans. Uh, Drew Brees had a really good game. Tom Brady had his worst game in a very, very long time. And, I mean, they just got completely dominated on both sides of the ball, so it's not really much to say other than uh, the Saints wanted this game. They wanted to get the sweep, and they just basically came out and took it. Yeah. All right. Uh, that puts them pretty much uh, as I think the team in the AFC South uh, – be hard to catch them with uh, two losses for the Bucks there. So uh, NFC South. NFC South. Thank you very much. All right. We'll move on to possibly the least interesting game of the week. Uh, New England played the Jets. New England came back and won 30-27. New England was six-point favorites. Cam Newton was an efficient 27 for 35 for 274. He also had two rushing touchdowns, Damian Harris. 14 carries, 71 yards. Jacoby Myers, 12 catches, 169 yards. Joe Flacco, 18 of 25, 262, three touchdowns and an interception. Frank Gore, 12 of 46. And Brashard Perryman, five catches, 101 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I don't know what we want to say about this game. Two bad teams playing each other. The one that isn't quite as bad as the other one won the game on a last-second field goal. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I expected New England to win. I didn't expect this many points, to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be a low-scoring game, uh, seeing as how both offenses have been struggling. Uh, uh, Joe Flacco didn't look bad. He played pretty well. Unfortunately for him, it wasn't enough to get the W. But, I mean, I don't really have much more to say other than the Jets are just a little bit worse than the Patriots are. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to our best and worst of the week. game what do you got for best of the week this week let's see for best of the week uh for offense i have uh drew Brees. drew Brees was an impressive 26 of 32 uh he was very accurate as he shred what a lot of people believe to be the best defense in the nfc he spread the ball around connecting with four other teammates for touchdowns not only was he uh throwing darts out there but he made a statement sweeping a division opponent and taking first place in the division. Yeah, uh, I got two guys for best of the week. Uh, One is Josh Allen, who was on fire the whole game. And the other, I know we did him last week, but uh, 
he's just been ridiculous for two weeks now in a row, and that's um, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, that's a really good pick. I, I almost had him. I just didn't want to go back-to-back with the same yeah, person. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think if he had had 150 yards, I wouldn't have gone with him. But the fact that he rushed for 200 again, I sort of had to at least give him a mention out there. Uh, who's your defensive guys for the week? Uh, for my best defense, I want to give a special shout-out to uh, Malcolm Jenkins for his performance. Uh, he was out there tackling the ball carrier. He was deflecting passes. He even had a turnover. But I'm going to give the nod to the entire defense, uh, and that's the Saints. Uh, I like what they did. Uh, others thought that the Bucks had all the weapons. I So did I. Uh, but people think that the Bucks have a lot of weapons, and uh, they thought that they were really going to make a push to try and uh, win that division. But the Saints D, uh, which is – is something we don't really talk about very often. Um, they came out and they completely shut down Tom Brady and his offense. So I uh, gave the entire defense a nod. Yeah. I got uh, two corners. Uh, Marcus Peters had that uh, pick uh, that wasn't really a pick, but he, he sold it enough to make it a pick. So good for him. And that sort of flipped the game back uh, to Baltimore's side. And uh, the other is Minka Fitzpatrick, who really has been just great all year long for the Steelers but stepped up and made some really key plays down that stretch to uh, give the Steelers the game. So, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I like your picks. Yeah, what do you got for coach this week? For uh, best coach of the week, uh, I have two coaches, actually. Um, But I'll give you my first one. My first one is uh, Sean McDermott from Buffalo. Uh, The Bills came out. They shut down the Seahawks' run game. They turned over Russell Wilson and attacked the Seahawks by going after the biggest flaw, which is their pass defense. Allen only missed seven passes out of 38 attempts. Uh, Yes, you know, the Seahawks made it competitive. I'm using air quotes when I say that. Uh, But they they had the right game plan to beat them. And uh, a lot of people considered the Seahawks to be the best team in the NFC. And they put together a game plan to completely uh, come out and, and whoop them. And uh, just as an honorable mention, uh, Brian Flores from Miami. Uh, Flores and the Finns have quietly won four games in a row, and that includes victories against three NFC West teams, the 49ers, the Rams, and the Cardinals. Uh, Teams from one of the better divisions in the NFL, which a lot of people believe. But Flores, uh, he came out, he put together the right type of game plan. Uh, His quarterback reaped the the benefits as he ended up an efficient 20 of 28 with no turnovers. Um, they're in second place in the AFC East right now, and they're only two wins out of first place. Yeah, uh, I had the same as you. I had Sean McDermott as uh, my coach of the week. Great bl- great game plan to come out there and uh, really just throw, throw, throw on that Seattle Seahawks team, and their uh, defense managed to hold together and pressure uh, Russell Wilson enough into uh, a handful of mistakes. So uh, really impressive with uh, Sean McDermott this week. All right, so we had our best. Now let's go to our worst. Terrible. Just terrible. All right, what do you got for worst of the week this week? For worst of the week on offense, I think it's pretty clear since I picked the Saints as the best uh, defense for the week, someone from the Bucks is due to be here. I was going to put just Brady here with his three picks and his zero touchdowns that really hurt his team. But the entire offense played horrible. The team only rushed four times for nine yards as they got manhandled by the Saints. So the entire offense is on worst of the week. Yeah, uh, I had two guys, uh, Tom Brady and Antonio Brown. Uh, 
I combo packaged him mostly just because I don't like Antonio Brown. He didn't necessarily have a bad game. Uh, Brady couldn't get him the ball. But Tom Brady, definitely my worst of the week this week. What do you got defensively for worst of the week? For worst of the week on defense, I really had to fight every instinct in my body not to pick the Bucks. Um, not only did the Saints shut uh, shut down Brady, you know, but their potent D uh, was torched all day. It just it was really hard, man. I, I, I had a couple a couple different players and teams that I could have gone here, but I ended up going with the uh, Seahawks secondary. Um, just watching that game. You know, they got humiliated by Allen and the Bills. Uh, I know the Bills are a divisional leader, but everybody torches that Seahawks secondary. You know, they're on pace to give up the most passing yards in NFL history. Um, They're dead last in passing defense. And like I said earlier, the only reason that we didn't really notice this trend was because of how good Russell Wilson was playing and because of how bad the Cowboys and Jets and other bad teams were playing. Yeah, uh, I have the New England Patriots on defense here. Um, They let Joe Flacco throw for 262 yards and three touchdowns. Now, granted, they got the win, but um, Joe Flacco now is ahead of Joe Montana in the all-time passing yards, and uh, (laughs) the New England Patriots are responsible for that happening. So, um, And they let the Jets score 27 points. So overall, New England Patriots, they might have got the win, but... uh, their defense just uh, shameful to uh, let Joe Flacco throw for three touchdowns and two sixty two. I'll tell you, I would have picked the Patriots because they cost me this week, but just because they won the game, I cut them some slack. But yeah, and and I do want to say, I I don't know if there's any Seahawk fans out there. They're going to be like, oh, worst of the week. You know, we had seven sacks. I know they had seven sacks, but even w- while they still managed to get seven sacks they still couldn't pressure the quarterback enough to win that game. So that's the reason why I want Seattle. All right. So who's your coach this week? Uh, I guess I'm following a trend here. Uh, worst coach of the week for me is uh, Bruce Arians. And it's just because of how bad they played. Um, he's a big part of that because he puts together the game plan. But there was also a report out there that there was some tension between uh, Brady and Arian a couple weeks back you know, when he came out and he kind of called him out and he's done it again. This is the second time he's publicly called him out uh, during an interview. He basically said that he didn't understand what happened. He said he saw that uh, Evans was open several times and he wasn't getting targeted. And he basically, that's all he said. He's like, you know, Evans was open. He wasn't targeted. That's all. And I think to publicly come out and, you know, call out your quarterback, probably – Goal down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. I think that that earns you a spot in worst coach of the week. Yeah, my worst coach of the week is, uh, it's going to hurt a little bit, but uh, Anthony Lynn. Now, uh, I think he has this team prepared a lot, but um, it's too much of a trend the way they blow games. And uh, once again, they had this game and they blew it. And uh, he deserves at least some flack for the way they constantly melt in the fourth quarter, even if this team has played above their head and is uh, well-prepared. But uh, to continue to blow games like this, uh, it just uh, not excusable. So uh, Anthony Glenn, my uh, worst coach of the week. All right, that's our show for the week. We got our 
Picks show coming up on Thursday, and uh, I think Achilles Rain is going to join us for part two of our NBA draft coverage probably on Friday. So look forward to that. Anything else you want to add? Nope. Just follow me on Twitter, TD Achilles. All right. That's our show, and we're out.